You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. God is better than we believe. God is better than we believe. Um, This morning, in my devotions, I've been reading through um, Galatians. And remember what Linda said in the opening today about being ourselves? So this was the verse that just popped out. You know, I, I'll get to this in a minute, but I've, I've read a lot of scriptures on hope this week. This wasn't one of them until this morning. So listen to this. Now this is uh, Galatians 6, 4, and I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. Let everyone be devoted to fulfill the work God has given them to do with excellence, and their joy will be in doing what's right and being themselves and not in being affirmed by others. It amazes me how God ties things together. You know, we started the service today with joy to the world. We had a little mini sermon on joy um, from Tess, which is just wonderful. So I think God really has a message for us today, and I hope I can bring it. Um, I started out, I opened up my NIV study Bible and I went to the concordance in the back, which is, a, you know, it's really, it's an abbreviated concordance. It's nowhere near like if you go to some of the real straight concordances. And there's 218 verses on joy. So I thought, I probably won't read them all, but then Rick said I have to take an hour. So um, <laughs> that's not right. Um, and, and that's not counting joyful and, and, and joyous and rejoicing, which is just the state of either experiencing or expressing joy. So, you know, you're, you're going to get around 250 to 300 verses in the Bible on joy. I think God is trying to tell us something with that. Um, so hopefully he's going to tell us something today. Um, the title of this section, The Humble King of Joy, right away I had to ask myself, what, what does that really mean? Um, I forget who it was, but there was a guy that was known as the king of comedy. So, you know, he must have been good at comedy. Um, LeBron James is the king of the court. He must be good at basketball. Well, Jesus is the king of joy. He must be good at joy. But there's more to it than that. Because if you really want to look at this, joy must be a part of the kingdom or he wouldn't be the king of it. Okay, so it's like if, if there was a king over the state of Indiana, Kokomo is a city in Indiana. That king would be king over Kokomo as well as the whole state, right? So Jesus is king over this kingdom, and within that kingdom is this concept of joy. Let me read a scripture to you. Oh, by the way, um, I, hopefully you've all got an outline. Most of the scriptures on your outline, I guess most of them I will read. The ones I don't, please do on your own. Um, some of them are going to go on the screen as we go through here, but um, you know, to really understand God, you need to be hearing from the Spirit and reading His Word, and so it's good to have scriptures like this. Um, Romans fourteen seventeen says, in the Passion again, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of rules about food or drink, but it is the realm of the Holy Spirit filled with righteousness, peace, and joy. So joy is a part of the realm of the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God. So um, 
We're going to be talking about that aspect of the kingdom today. Um, Jesus is the humble king of joy. So now the first scripture that I want to put on the board there is, it should say, by the way, I, I gave these to um, Michelle, and she, on Friday, and in one day she produced these for me, but I, I, I gave her a wrong sight on this first one. So I want, you to, I want you to know I'm reading from Philippians 2, 5, and 8. It's going to say Romans 2, 5, and 8, but it's Philippians 2, 5, and 8. So this is what the word says. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped. That means to be held on to. He didn't decide, I'm going to hold on to this and not surrender it. That wasn't his position. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. So we know Jesus is, is our humble king. Um, I think you have to kind of combine that, that verse with a verse from Hebrews, and I'm going to read the NIV version of it first, and then we're going to look at uh, the passion on the board. But, uh, so here was, here's Jesus, our humble king. Hebrews 12.2 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So here's, now, so it says, who for the joy set before him. What was the joy set before him? There must have been joy set before him or the word wouldn't say that. So he goes to the cross for the joy set before him. Here's what the passion, how the passion words that passage. Because his heart was focused on joy, on the joy of knowing that. Now, you know, the author of, of, of Hebrews is talking to the whole church, so he says you there, but since we're part of the church, we're going to say we. So I'll, I'll start that again. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that we would be his. And it's really worth reading one more time. Because his heart was focused on the joy, what was the joy? The joy of knowing that we would be his. He endured the agony of the cross, conquered its humiliation, and sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. There is nothing more that I can say this morning that's more important than those two verses or the concepts there. Jesus, God himself, gave up, surrendered, his godliness and came to earth in the humble form of a man. And for the joy of claiming us as his own, he endured the cross. So I'm going to say a few more words, but nothing is more important than that. If you don't know that joy in your heart, you stick around after the service today and we'll pray for you. Because you'll never hear anything more important than what was just said. Okay, um, we've looked at hope, peace, and joy. And the neat thing is, oh my, and of course, of course, pastor gets to be, I mean, he's the pastor after all. He gets to tie them all together next week with love. And we're going to see they really are tied together with love. But um, all of these three concepts, hope, peace, and joy, really go together. You, it's hard to separate them. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures that point that out. Listen to Romans 15, 13. Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace. So there we have all three of them. Oh, there's a little caveat here, as you trust in him. 
So those three wonderful things, hope, joy, and peace, that's the order in this verse, are gifts to us as we trust in him. Okay. Um, so what is joy? I, I, I borrowed from Linda's outline last week. I really liked that. I liked the fact that she had an outline for us to look at as she went through, so I, I, I went ahead and did one um, too, just borrowing her good idea. So since we're talking about peace or joy, talked about peace last week, let's, uh, let's define this. Um, what is joy? Well, it's, it's more than just happiness. Happiness is a fleeting thing. It's based on circumstances. If circumstances are good in our lives, we tend to feel happy. If circumstances aren't so good in our lives, we tend not to feel so happy. But we'll see as we go through here, joy is a constant, or at least it can be. Okay, so joy is first of all an emotion, like happiness, but more, okay? So joy is an emotion. And sometimes as Christians, we downplay emotion. But we shouldn't, because God is emotional. And he made us this way. So let's enjoy, emo enjoy. Let's, let's enjoy emotions. Okay, so the emotion of joy can be based upon an event in our lives, a success, um, your team winning a basketball game, um, all kinds of things like that. And, and so when that happens, the goal is, let's enjoy the joy, that's an emotion. It's wonderful. Um, it may only last, that emotional part may only last as long as the event stays in our mind, though. So there's more than that. But I want to show you, in Scripture, there's joy released as emotion as a, as a result of some events. Let me look at, uh, or look at uh, Luke 10, 17. And this is, again, in the Passion. This is when Jesus sends out the 70, and, um, you know, they come back amazed at what, what they were able to do. They're just really, truly amazed, and this is what it says. When the 70 missionaries returned to Jesus, they were ecstatic with joy, telling him, Lord, even demons obeyed us when we commanded them in your name. So this was an emotional response to a series of events, and they were ecstatic with joy. Now, three days later, they may not still be remembering those events. They might. So that... That emotion of joy, that ecstatic joy, may have diminished, but it's there. And it's, and it's, it's part of God's design for us for joy. Um, another scripture, this is Paul, uh, Philippians 4.10. My heart overflows with joy when I think of how you showed your love to me by your financial support of my ministry. Now, notice there, he's, he's not overflowing with joy because they gave him some money. He's overflowing with joy because of the love that was demonstrated by a physical act. And that filled his heart with joy to overflowing. So again, there was an event. Jesus, in Luke 10, 21, this is the Passion Translation. Then Jesus overflowing with the Holy Spirit's anointing of joy. Don't you love that? The Holy Spirit's anointing of joy. Okay, so Jesus overflowing with the Holy Spirit's anointing of joy exclaimed, Father, thank you for you are Lord Supreme over heaven and earth. Okay, now, there's more there than just an emotional response, and that kind of leads us into the next part of joy. Um, joy is a state of being. Biblical joy is a state of being. Okay, our authors in the, in the booklet here define it as a sense of well-being 
dictated not by circumstances, but rather resulting from our relationship with God. Okay, so there we saw Jesus overflowing with joy, thanking his Father for being God of all. Okay, um, wonderful scripture, um, John 15, 11. This, this, John 15 is where Jesus is saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. You can do nothing except through me. Okay, so that's, that's kind of the leading in there. And in verse 11, he says this. Remember, joy is based on our relationship with God. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So Jesus is saying, I'm filled with joy because of my relationship with the Father. I'm giving that to you to be filled with joy because of your relationship with me. And it's the relationship that we have with him too. Okay, Romans uh, 5, 1 and 2 is just such a wonderful, wonderful two verses here. Um, and I think we're going to have that one on the, uh, yeah. So notice the first sentence. Remember what Rick said this morning? Was it Rick, I think, was saying um, to us, um, oh, it was on our confession, who we are in Christ. Hey, listen to this first sentence. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, and now he declares us flawless in his eyes. Okay, so everybody say that out loud. I am flawless in his eyes. One, two, three. I am flawless in his eyes. Wow. You don't have to know how or why. You just have to believe it. That's all. That just, wow. Okay, so, and it goes on to say then, this means we can enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, has done for us. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into this marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. So, I hope that that incredible joy just bursts forth in all of us all the time. Now, it's hard to do that, but the ability is there because God's given it to us. Um, Philippians 4.4, 4, be cheerful and joyous, excuse me, be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Let joy overflow, for you are united with the anointed one. Again, joy flowing from our relationship. I like the way the Passion translates Christ. It always says the anointed one. Okay, that's kind of neat. And that's what Christ means anyway. So, okay, um, I'm, this one should be up on the board or the screen too. This is 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Very similar passage, but it, it's, it's just a few more. Uh, it, it broadens it a little bit more. Be filled with joy in every season of life. Make your life a prayer, and in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks, for this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, Tess cited 1 Peter 8. I think that was the verse she cited anyway. It's in your outline. I'm not going to take the time to read that one right now, but that's, that's another really good example of our joy being based on relationship with Jesus. Okay, the, first, the third thing that joy is, is it is a fruit 
of the Holy Spirit. Um, and Tess alluded to this verse too. So look at Galatians 5.22. Don't put the passion up yet, honey. Um, uh, I can say honey because that's my wife. Um, you can't see her because she's kind of, but anyway, she's up there and she's doing all this stuff. So Galatians 5.22 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All those wonderful things that we just emanate out of our lives all the time, right? Well, notice, Chuck pointed this out to us Wednesday at our staff meeting, and I had already seen this. I was going to use it today. So notice it says, but the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't say, but the fruits of the Spirit are. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is. But then it lists a whole bunch of things. How does that make sense? Look at the Passion translation of this, and I think it really makes it clear. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. All of those separate terms are part of the fruit of love that is a gift from the Holy Spirit. So he kind of ties it all together there. So joy that overflows, that's something that is given to us as we allow ourselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God is the source of our Christian joy. Sometimes it's an emotion. Always it's a relationship. And always it's a fruit of the Spirit, a gift from God. Okay, so we've got some tools. Uh, We don't always feel joyous. We've got some tools that God gives us to help renew, restore, um, maintain the joy. Uh, The first is thanksgiving. Mike led us in that song this morning, thank you. How can I say thank you, Lord, for all that you've done, all that you're going to be doing? Can't be done, but we can utter, utter the words, right? We may not know how to fully express it, but we can say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done, all that you're doing, all that you're going to be doing. And one of the neat things about this, as we begin to thank the Lord, it shifts the focus away from ourselves to Him. One of the best ways to maintain joy is to have our focus maintained on Him. Okay, so um, Psalm 100, oh, so, um, no, back, back up. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.16, I already read that, but we're talking about Thanksgiving now. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Be filled with joy in every season of life. Make your life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, always be giving thanks. Okay. I, I tell you, that Friday was a bad day for me. I've got a very troubling case that I'm working on, and it's... Uh, and I'll probably lose some sleep over the next couple of weeks on it, but that, that happens. Um, but in the middle of the afternoon, after struggling with this case for a while, I thought, well, I think I'll work on my teaching for Sunday. And, uh, and I thought, you know what? This would be a great time to apply one of the tools that I'm going to be talking about. <laughs> so I just started saying, thank you, Lord. And I listed a few things I was thankful for. Uh, the case is still problematic, 
but it helped restore a little joy in my heart. So it's practical. Don't you love things in Christianity that are practical? This is a practical one. You start saying, thank you, Lord, and start listing some things, and no matter what, joy can be restored in your heart. Psalm 95.2 says, Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. We'll, we'll get to the music and song. Okay, so thanksgiving. Um, tool number two. Similar, but praise. It's different, though. You know, we thank God for what he does, what he's doing, what he's going to do. We praise him for who he is. And so if you begin to praise God, if you've lost some joy and you begin to praise him and you really praise him, you know, sometimes it just makes a mental decision. I'm, I'm going to do this. But as you begin, all of a sudden your spirit becomes connected with your mind and your heart gets into it. And again, like Thanksgiving, praise shifts your focus off of yourself and onto the one that is deserving of all praise and thanksgiving and focus. So um, it works. It's, again, a, one of those really practical things. Um, uh, Psalm 100, verses 4 and 5. Everybody's familiar with this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. So if, if you're trying, you know, if you're kind of gloomy or something or some circumstances are, are, have messed up your joy, here's a neat trick. Uh, not a trick. Here's a neat device, tool, whatever. Get out that psalm. You know, David wrote it about the, about the Lord, but you say it to the Lord. So you would simply say, Lord, I enter your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. I give you thanks and praise your name, for you are good, and your love endures forever, and your faithfulness continues through all generations. Say that a couple of times, and your heart is going to be convinced that that's true, and join in with you, okay? So, Thanksgiving praise. One that I really like and enjoy myself tremendously is fellowship. Fellowship is a tool that God has given us to help maintain, renew, and restore our joy. What do I mean by that? There are people in my life, many of whom are in this room today, uh -oh. who are so filled with the Spirit of God and the joy of the Lord that all I have to do is approach them and be with them, and it starts to rub off on me. Tess said today, joy, it, it, you can't contain it. it it's... it's, it's it's infectious. It's very easily transferred from one person to another. Okay, so who do you have that you can go to if you're not joyful? I hope everybody in this room has somebody. If you don't, call me. Um, tell me what's going on, and we can at least read Psalm 104 and 5 together. Okay, so fellowship, a wonderful way to maintain, renew, restore joy. It is contagious. Okay, biblical expressions of joy. We've dealt with some of these today. Um, jumping. Isn't that funny? Now, we heard leaping today. It means the same thing. John leaped and 
Elizabeth's womb. Well, that means he was jumping. You know, just a, maybe a nicer way of saying that. But so, so, so as I looked around this morning, um, as we were worshiping, and, and I, I, I did not see anybody out there jumping. And maybe it's because of the age of us and most of us in. But I did see people dancing. And so that's the same thing. You get your body involved, standing up. You know, it, it's amazing how many times I have, I hate to say this, but I've been in a worship service and my mind wasn't engaged. Now, I've told a different story on this before. You know, God one time revealed to me that he's given me a new heart and my heart's engaged even if my mind isn't. And I'm so thankful for that. But I'll tell you, another way to engage your mind, if, if it's not, is do something with your body. Stand up, bow down, clap your hands, raise your hands. It's amazing how our heart follows our physical actions in things like this. So engage the body, engage the heart and the mind. And so um, clapping, I mentioned that. Uh, two I really want to focus on is shouting and singing. I'll bet Rick would not mind if all of a sudden, in the midst of a service, probably timing would be good, but uh, somebody just shouted out, Praise the Lord! <laughs> Echoes in here. Um, now, maybe in a nice, soft, long song like Here Comes Heaven, that wouldn't be as appropriate. But who knows? Shouting is an expression of joy. So we don't do a lot of shouting in this church. Maybe it needs the leadership to set an example. Rick says, yeah, you, Rick. Oh, well, that's okay. <clears throat> Singing. So that brings, oh, by the way, I've listed a whole bunch of psalms there. You know, Tess alluded to the psalms. They're a large portion of the 218 verses citing, cited in the concordance. You can't read the psalms without finding the words joy, rejoicing, joyful, and with those words, singing, shouting. I was surprised at how many of the verses on joy in the psalms say they were shouting for joy or shout for joy, and we just, we just don't shout for joy very often. So. Praise the Lord. There we go, see? That would do. So on the count of three, everybody shout, not dynamite. On the count of three, everybody shout, praise the Lord. One, two, three, praise the Lord. Well, maybe we'll do that sometime. <laughs> I, I like that. Okay, so singing. Um, I don't like the way our authors in the booklet approach the reason why some people don't sing in church. I guess they're kind of right, but you know, some of us don't sing because we don't think we have a good voice, and they say, hey, that's pride, get rid of that right away. The Bible says make a joyful noise unto the Lord. It doesn't say sing beautifully. Yes. So um, the point is to sing, and <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I look right at Bob. Um, uh, time for a... Hallelujah! All right, there we go. Dynamite! Okay. Everybody has to understand what Marcus means by dynamite. It always means praise the Lord. There we go. So, um, you know, whether you've got a good voice or not, usually there's enough sound coming from the platform that you don't have to worry about your, your voice just standing out in the midst of the service, unless you've got a voice like Tess's, and then it's just wonderful. 
it, you know, I, I can't tell you how joyful it is for us on the platform to hear her voice every once in a while from down here. It's beautiful. And, and others in this church have wonderful, wonderful voices. So the point is to sing. It's an expression of joy. Um, it releases joy. It renews joy. And I like one thing our authors did say was just tremendous. And I'm going to read it in just a moment. Let me, let me refer first, though, to Ephesians 5.19. Actually, honey, put that one up, but I'm going to read Colossians 3.16 first because it's the shorter version. But Paul does repeat himself sometimes. Should we pay attention to that? Probably so. Okay, it's Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart to God. Okay, so the longer version is in Ephesians 5.16, or 5.19, excuse me. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father. And I hear music as it is, as it is right now. Anyway, so I'll pick up that second sentence. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so, and I hear more music and more music. And, so let me read a passage um, out, of, out of this. Uh, I'm going to kind of end with this out of our devotional. The last three paragraphs that he says in this section, um, it's just, he says this, and every week Christians sing in church, every week Christians sing in church, not because they have amazing voices or are eager for those around them to hear their, hear their bellows, but because they are filled with joy. And even when Christians are not filled with joy, singing is a powerful gateway to joy being renewed by the Spirit within us. I really focus on that. You know, you come to church, you think, well, it was like that night that I've shared before at a wonderful conference, huge auditorium, everybody's worshiping and I'm sitting there, or standing, singing the words, but my mind wasn't engaged, and all of a sudden, in the middle of a song, I started to cry, and I, it was uncontrollable, and I couldn't figure it out, and it bothered me for a couple days, and then God finally revealed to me that my heart was worshiping and was overwhelmed by the words I was singing, even though my mind wasn't. So that can happen to every one of us in here. If you're in a worship service and you don't feel like, gosh, I just don't, I'm not touching God, he's touching you. So be obedient to what the church is doing, singing praise and worshiping God. Begin to do that, and your heart's engaged, your mind, your heart will engage your mind. A lot of times we think of it the other way, i got to get what I know up here, down here. No, we got to get what we have here, up here. Okay. As Rick says often, that was a freebie. It has nothing to do with today. Um, last paragraph, and this is so, I love this. Um, when we sing things that are true, we come to believe them more. Isn't that true? When we sing things that are true, we come to believe more and more. And when we sing, the joy of the kingdom can invade not only our own hearts, but also the hearts of those who are listening. So, to sum things up, I would just say, enjoy God. What a gift he is. We can enjoy him by experiencing joy. Um, whether it's an emotion, always a relationship with him, 
I forget what was the last one. Um, but there was a third one. Anyway, it's in my notes. You got that. Oh, it's a gift. There we go. It's a gift. So joy is always those things. Um, I'm going to have the worship team come up. I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> it's a sense of power. No, that's not right. But um, I'd like to, to, to close here in prayer for us. But I want to say this. If, if you're having trouble experiencing the joy of the Lord, after we're done with this song during our time of ministry, some of us will be up here. And you know, God, what, it, it, it's not like we have to, oh, please, Lord, give me joy. No, he's saying, I want to give it to you. Just ask. I want to release that in you. So come forward if you need more joy released in your life. We'll be praying for you. So Father, we come in Jesus' name, Lord, and we just say thank you. Thank you for all that you're doing, all that you've done, all that you will be doing. Lord, thank you. We praise you for who you are, the glorious one, the righteous one. You are love. You've given us joy to experience you, Lord. So I pray that a release of joy would come now in this place, within these walls, Lord, right now, as we sing this last song, Lord, release your joy into our hearts, into this church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes. 